you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team, every day. Download the app and join us every week so you can get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. This is the daily podcast covering the World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Reen Fiends. Solo for a quick sec, Jeff hosted a locker room after the Dodgers win last night against the Giants, and that's what today's episode will consist of. They get into Kenley Jansen, uh, they get into a couple things from the game, Albert Pujols and some other things, uh, so make sure to stick around. But before we get into it, a quick reminder to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. When you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play a podcast locked on Dodgers. All right, let's get right into the locker room get started uh good game for the dodgers tonight obviously um not perfect but uh going into the bullpen game against alex wood if if i had told you before the series the dodgers are going to win three out of four we would kind of assume this might be the one they lose although kevin gossman is going to be tough so um so winning this one seems like a uh a big deal to get started uh let's jump in with jason right off the bat jason you know what Kenley is my closer we're here, baby. What's going on? You at Dodger Stadium right now? Yep, I'm. I'm watching the field right now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to talk about Kenley, so I'm glad you brought him up. Jason is the uh, host of Locked On Ducks, right? Yep. Also a lifelong Dodger fan, like any good Southern Californian. And That's uh, right, baby. <laughs> if you're going to like baseball as a Southern Californian, you might as well do it right. So uh, I have nothing but respect for Jason. He may like the Anaheim hockey team, just, but he is. Just wanted to chime in. Kenley looked good tonight. The sinker was looking good. That strikeout against Buster was big. Yeah. It was a big strikeout. Well, and the crazy thing is he actually only threw one two-seamer. Everything else was was cutters. It, but the it was interesting. They weren't actually cutting very much it was you know the the spin rate and everything was telling Statcast that they were cutters but they actually weren't cutting very much uh, i think he topped out at like eight inches of horizontal movement and some of them one of them was as low as two inches and so uh it's almost like he threw them off by it not moving as much as he normally does and going with velocity and so i mean it's i don't know if he can do that on purpose but if he does have a version of the cutter that goes faster and doesn't move as much. That's almost like another pitch because obviously they weren't seeing it very well. They weren't able to put good wood on it. So, uh, you know, I'll take that from Kenley all day long. Location maybe. Yeah. Yeah, And I wanted to chime in before you get thrown out of the stands, but good win. Good win for the Dodgers and can't wait to do this again. Hey, appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, Kenley, the, the location was big. And so the, uh, the command for Kenley has always been one of the big, the big things. And so I, uh, 
Yeah, I appreciate it. several of you checking in from Dodger Stadium. That's awesome. Um, that, that's always fun. I'm going to be there on Wednesday. Wednesday's my birthday, and I had to go down for a family thing next weekend anyway, so I decided to go a little bit early and take myself to a Dodger game for my birthday. So I'm looking forward to that. Justin, go ahead and hop in if you want to ask your question. This is Justin Hicken. I, I, he gave me warning about what he wants to talk about, but he didn't give me any clue about what he's going to say. So because he didn't want me to, he wanted me to disagree with them instinctively and not uh, with preparation. So go can ahead, you, Justin. Can you guys hear me? All right, Jeff. Yeah, you're good. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So this is not super important. It's a little obscure, but I wanted to ask for some of the guys that are still in the locker room that were at the game, so, and, and maybe not a lot of people noticed because this was immediately after the Muncie homer, but uh, Pujols hit a ball uh, down the line. It seemed like he went in to make the catch or basically lead into the stands. And as I'm watching it, I'm noticing, and I know the Dodgers still have socially distanced seating and stuff. It seems like, though, there was no fans at all anywhere close to that. And I believe it was yesterday. I don't know if you guys remember this. It might have been the game before, but I think it was yesterday. There was a ball that one of the Dodgers hit uh, down the right field line in Houston, and Tucker actually went to go chase it down, and it looked like he had a beat on the ball and could have made a play, but it was actually one of his own fans that caught the ball and, and actually you know gave whoever was at bat for the Dodgers another chance. And to me, it just it kind of bugged me. I mean, ultimately, it didn't make a huge difference. But I'm thinking, if you're the home team and you know a visiting player is is leaning over into the stands to try to catch a ball like that's that's our territory you know we can't let that happen and to me it was just kind of a bummer because I was like man no one's even close you kind of hate to see that as a fan where it's like man we would be completely within the right to try to make a play on that ball that is over the wall in the stands but yet no one was there to to take it away and so they got the out so that's that's my observation thought I wanted to see if anybody had any feedback or noticed that noticed that Yeah, I've got a couple thoughts on that. Uh, one is he did he didn't lean very far into the stands, so I don't know that would have been obvious like until right at the last minute that you know that you'd hate to be the fan who leans over and gets called for interference on what might have dropped as a foul ball, you know. So there's that uh, also that area right there. It's the very end of the of the dugout club where there aren't actually any seats right there, and it's actually a pretty open area. Now, obviously somebody could have stood up and ran over there to try to catch it, but there's not really any seats within 10 or 15 feet of at least not any seats with access to that section because it's in the, in the section that's gated off. So none of the people in the poor people seats have access to that section. And so it's just the people in the dugout club and I, I, a field level is poor people seats, I guess, you know, but compared to the dugout club, I mean, uh, so it's just the people in the dugout club and they are, you know, they are socially distancing those dugout club seats. So uh, I'd have to look again, but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't anybody sitting within 20 feet of where Yastrzemski actually caught that ball. Uh, but I, I don't know that for sure, uh, but maybe I'll go back and look at yeah, it. I think you're right on that, Jeff, but yeah, just, I think maybe just a, a tough spot. Cause you know, if that's, you know, maybe hit closer to the foul pole or something. There's, there's going to yeah. be some people there, but I just remember seeing that thinking, man, we have, we have nobody at all, like even within the camera shot and he's just, you know, 
comfortable in essence making that play so yeah that, and and contrasting it with the day before when Kyle Tucker got a ball stolen by one of his own fans I, I see why it came to your mind Edgar what do you got for me Edgar Patino oh yes I, I th- thanks for taking my uh request I just wanted to mention on the the previous person that area there it, there's no one there's no fans there because it's an ADA accessible ramp Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's the ramp so that people yeah. so, can can so, get down into the dugout club. Right, there. right. I just wanted to mention that. That's why no one is there. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I guess that I, I probably knew that on some level that that's why that's uh, yeah. empty like that. Uh, but yeah, I hadn't made that connection. So cool. Oh. Thanks, Edgar. No problem. You know, so we talked about Kenley. Uh, another thing, DJ Peters hit his first career homer. Uh, it was a laser. Uh, he hit the ball. It was 110 miles an hour off the bat, only 18 degree launch angle, which is about as low as you will see on a home run. You know, I'm sure there's been slightly lower, but I'm guessing 16 or 17 is as low as you can hit a ball and still get it out. And he hit it 410 feet. And so I'm going to do a search and see how that compares to the longest home runs hit at that low of an angle. And, uh, you know, 110 off the bat is it's hard, but it's not like, ridiculously hard but it must have had some backspin or something because yeah at, at only 18 degrees launch angle and still going 410 feet that was a pretty darn impressive home run and actually his next at bat was uh maybe as impressive that uh the two pitches from zach Littell that were with two strikes two high fastballs that peters didn't swing at instead of swinging and missing like he had in the past he ended up strike out looking on ball four instead uh but you know dj peters if you know his big question has always been putting the bat on the ball even in the minor leagues he averaged like over 200 strikeouts per 600 plate appearances like he he strikes out a ton uh and so i'm still not convinced he's ever going to be a big league regular especially on a team like the dodgers that uh plans to win the world series but you know if he can lay off that high fastball that he's proven he cannot hit uh that that's at least the first step so that so that would be good finally a tobacco alternative that doesn't suck lucy nicotine is a company founded by caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative it's been researched and developed for three years to be made for people and not patients They've created a nicotine gum with 4 milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with 4 milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry, ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient, it's discreet, products can be enjoyed anywhere. If you know someone that's looking for a cleaner alternative to cigarettes, make sure to tell them about Lucy and their nicotine gum and lozenges. This is the real deal, and the subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. And right now, Locked On Dodgers listeners can go to lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. We have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Make sure to head to lucy.co and be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. I was just going to say I was really happy for DJ. I mean, I've I've given him uh, more grief than he's deserved and uh, have very little confidence when he's up at the plate, but happy to see him come through with that homer and especially – uh, in an important moment in the game and ultimately it being the difference in the game in, in a way. Yeah. And it, it's impossible not to like DJ Peters as a person, 
Um, you know, he's very nice. And I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, uh, two different times. Once when he was in high A with Rancho Cucamonga and once when he was in triple A with Oklahoma city, uh, I've gone to road games, went to a game in my hometown, Lake Elsinore, when the quakes were playing the storm, uh, when, uh and after the game, DJ stood there and, uh, signed autographs for my kids and thanked my kids for asking for his autograph. And then, you know, he gets to AAA, and I'm at a game up in Salt Lake near where I live uh, when Oklahoma City was there. And he, again, signed autographs for 10 or 15 minutes for everybody who asked and thanked every kid. Thanks for asking for my autograph. Like, it's impossible not to like DJ as a person. So uh, I would love it if he could turn into a major league ball player and actually help help the team win. But either way, yeah, totally happy for him hitting Hit his, his first career homer. Going to go with Armando. Sal, I see your request. I'll get to that one after Armando. Go ahead, Armando. Hey, what's up, Jeff? How you doing, man? Oh, so glad they, they won every game against the Giants so far this year. It's yep. fantastic. Um, yeah, there's uh, – the good this tonight, I thought uh, Price was really great. Um, it was great. DJ got his first career home run. Uh, Max Muncy, the war leader, still looks great. Looks like Turner's heating up. The bad, I thought uh, Taylor looks like he's not struggled a little bit tonight. And um, Victor Gonzalez, those first couple of batters struggled. But Henley and uh, Blake Trinan looked awesome. The back end of the bullpen looked deadly tonight, just deadly. Yeah, absolutely. Trinan was on my list, the swing and miss. You know, I, I've talked in the past about how Blake Trinan, he's got such good stuff, and it's almost maddening when he doesn't get much swing and miss because he does induce weak contact, but a lot of times that weak contact turns into these stupid opposite field hits and whatever. So seeing him strike out those first two guys, you know, with, with really, really good stuff was really exciting for me because that's what I want from Blake Trinan. I want him striking out a bunch of guys because that's how he's going to be most successful. Uh, I had the same thoughts on Chris Taylor that you mentioned, you know, but, but Taylor, he's always been kind of streaky. You know, he, he can have a bad game here and there without it turning into he's having a bad three weeks. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Taylor bounce back and hit a home run or go two for three or something tomorrow uh, because that's just kind of how he is. He's always been like he, he will throw a clunker out there uh, and it doesn't always have to be part of a, of a bigger pattern, I guess, uh, if you know what I mean. Um, Armando, I'll accept yours again. Just respond um, to yeah, me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, just yeah. real quick. Also, did you see that when uh, Joe Kelly walked off the mound, he forgot to give Dave Roberts the ball? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, he walked up. and you, I, I, I read Dave Roberts' lips. He's like, are you going to give me the ball? Like, he turned around and tossed the ball to him. And he, they, later, they sorted out in the dugout, but I just thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, maybe he just uh, wanted to keep it for some reason. So, All right, Sal Hernandez, here you go. What's up, man? Yeah, hey, nice to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, uh, along with uh, uh, Noisy and maybe others, uh, even though uh, uh, Peters had a had a little jam tonight, who do you think is the most likely to be on the way down when uh, McKinstry and Bellinger are on the way back? Yeah, uh, you know, McKinstry and Belly, when they both come back, and then we've got Pollock coming back soon too, hopefully. And so there's actually going to need to be three. But right now, um, you know, Rayleigh's already back in the minors. And so really it's, it's Peters and Noisy seem like the pretty obvious ones. Um, and then from there, like when Pollock comes back, that's when they kind of start to, you know, have to start looking at, uh, unless I'm forgetting some, because I don't think they have any of the other minor leaguers. I think it's just Peters and Noisy right now on the active roster. And so then you start looking at, well, like, okay, 
are we really sold on Yoshi Susugo or, you know, some of those guys, you know, uh, I think Pujols brings too much leadership wise, even if he's not necessarily producing a ton at the plate. Um, but yeah, so I, I think when it's Bellinger and McKinster coming back, Noisy and Peters are obvious to me. Um, and, and maybe, maybe they go with a pitcher, you know, drop a, a pitcher when Pollock comes back to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. Although when they're playing with, uh, you know, I don't know, since they do only have four starters right now, that means they can kind of carry an extra reliever without taking up an extra roster spot. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if the, the move for one of those three guys is a pitcher and then noisy and Peters. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if somebody else gets a, you know, if Sasugo pulls a hamstring, either really or, or pretend, and you know that's how they open up a roster spot, something like that. You know what? Because you know Sasugo, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he did spend some time on the injured list, because I think there's some stuff that the Dodgers still want to work out with his swing that they might be able to do better in Arizona while he's quote unquote injured than they can do when he's on the big league roster. So something like that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he's he's found a couple of holes, but uh, he's not really hitting any rockets when he's yeah yeah that. exactly. And, and I think when they signed him, uh, or or traded for him, or whatever they did, uh, I think they saw something specific that they thought they could fix. And I do think that might be easier to do uh, when he's not on the active roster. Uh, but but I don't know that for sure either. That's kind of just a guess. So. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Sal. I didn't have any issues at all with uh, Bauer pitching on regular rest after, you know, the pitch count from the previous outing. And especially, I don't have any issue at all with two earned runs and six innings. I will take that every time. And my final thought on that was, you know, the bats just didn't didn't perform the way they needed to. But I, I had no problem with sending them out there. And he's he's confident enough. Bauer has really yet to let us down as far as, you know, having a disaster outing or a big clunker this year. And so I will continue to trust the way he feels or what he says. The other thought that I have too about is actually, I thought about it's about Pujols since we were talking about him. Uh, I believe he is the all time leader in double plays and maybe you can check that for me, but, uh, and so I would like to see the Dodgers get just just a tad more aggressive on the bases if he happens to come up with a runner on first or first and second less than two outs. I get it. You're not going to run if if it's Justin Turner or uh, you know maybe somebody else on the on the bases. But I'd say anybody with average to above average speed, I'd I'd like to see him take a chance on that. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um... I don't even need to look up. Albert Pujols is the is the career leader in grounding into double plays. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. used to be, and Pujols is like a hundred ahead of him now. If I remember, I haven't looked it up lately, but I think Pujols Ripken was around three hundred, and Pujols is around four hundred, if I remember right. So, uh, yeah, and and obviously, I think he was only hit into one with the Dodgers. Um, but you know, he's definitely a ground, a double play candidate every time he's up. So, so yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea, depending on who's on base, uh, of, you know, putting guys in motion or whatever, especially because with Pujols up, there's also a different defensive alignment because he shifted so heavily and it, it, they're playing so deep. And so it might be easier to steal a base, 
with Pujols up just because of defensive alignment. So that's not a bad idea. I haven't paid much attention. I don't know if there have been that many opportunities uh, for him to for somebody to steal like that. Justin says he thinks that that Pujols is hit into three or four with the Dodgers. I'm going to just look that up real quick. Oh, he does have three with the Dodgers. You're right. Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't remember there being that many, but yeah. So he has 406 career double plays now. So uh, it's definitely something to think about, but also where he's batting in the lineup. You know, if it's Justin Turner on first base, there's no scenario that I would ever be in favor of Justin Turner trying to steal a base, uh, for example. But, you know, if it's the right runner, I wouldn't mind it. Day trading can be a lot of fun. It can be more than stonks, memes, and rocket ships. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders actually beat the market. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. They can create a portfolio of globally diversified low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. All you need is $500 to get started, and you can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. So to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB and get started today. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. You already know that, but did you know that Built Bar also has other things? There's Built Bars, Built Bites, Built Go, Built Boost, and Built Broth. All different things to give you different results for whatever you're looking for in life. When it comes to Built Bars, they are the best tasting protein bar by far. There's no close second at all. They taste like candy bars that are good for you. They're all in the range of around 130 to 180 calories. All are at least 17 grams of protein and all around 4 or 5 grams of sugar. What else could you ask for? That's all you need from your protein bar. And right now you can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Sam did reply about uh, Beatty said, I think they believe in Satsugo more than Beatty. But if they can more effectively fix Yoshua is not active, it could be him. Beatty seems like the last guy on the roster now, and he's really cooled off. Um, Beatty's cooled off some. Beatty's a good hitter. And and so uh, everybody's going to have down streaks and stuff. uh, But I I still think that they probably have some some confidence in Beatty as a hitter. Um, You know, he, he does have options, and so it wouldn't. Shock me, I guess, if if Beatty was sent down. But uh, I think between the the pitching staff and some sort of real or phantom injury, that seems more likely uh, to me. Self says watching tonight's double from Pools. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like he has many doubles left in him. Yeah, uh, I don't know that he even had that one in him uh, today. But you know, he he barely made it. Uh, took him over nine min- nine seconds, like nine and a half seconds, to get from home to second base, which is a uh, not fast and he barely made it. So, uh, you know, but I mean, if he rips one down the line, he's, he's still gonna, 
he's still going to get his share of down the line doubles, but uh, he, he, yeah, Pujols is, yeah, getting the ball in the air is going to be a big deal for him. And I don't know if that's really in the cards just because that's, uh, I mean, he's, he's been, he's basically the same hitter he's been his whole career with regards to ground balls and fly balls. It's just that ground balls are turning into outs about twice as often these days because of the shifts and because of his speed and whatever. So uh, yeah, Albert Pujols, what we see is what we get. I think uh, I thought it was interesting changing topics. Max Muncy kind of got into it with Alex Wood a little bit and then kind of got into it with Harlan Garcia a little bit. And, you know, Wood was a little surprising just he is a former Dodger. He's, you know, I don't have any idea if Muncy and Wood are friends, but, uh, you know, Wood tried to quick pitch Muncy a little bit and and Muncy called timeout the last minute and Wood seemed annoyed by that. And Muncy, you know, seemed annoyed by Wood being annoyed. And then later, I'm not sure what exactly happened with Muncy and Harlan Garcia. You know, Muncy struck out looking and I don't know if, Harlan said, you know, said something to him or if if Muncie said something, I don't know. They, but it seems like they went back and forth a little bit. Uh, so I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe MVP candidate Muncie is also sassy Muncie. And I, I don't, I don't hate that as long as he uh, continues to turn on those high fastballs. That was, that was a thing of beauty and Owen two pitch. He had just fouled off a couple pitches that you know, kind of barely staying alive on a couple, but then to still be able to put that swing on an O2 high fastball was uh, was pretty remarkable. I, I kind of loved it. Oh, one other thing I want to talk about, Dave Roberts, his mid-inning pitching changes, you know, and, and I talked to a couple of you, Justin, and and another guy who's not here with us on DMs when when they took David Price out with two outs in the third inning to bring in Alex Vasilla. And I thought Oral Hershiser's explanation made a lot of sense when he said, because Vasilla is a guy who, sometimes struggles with his command coming in to a game. He is a guy who maybe you'd rather have come in with two outs and nobody on. Uh, so that if, for example, hypothetically speaking, he does walk the first two hitters, he still only needs to get one out to get out of it. Um, and, and so, I mean, if that's Dave Roberts thinking, it basically worked perfectly and exactly the way he envisioned it tonight because Vasia did walk the first two batters and then he got out of it uh, without allowing any runs. And I think if Vasia starts the second inning and walks the first two batters, I think it's much less likely that he gets out of that without allowing any runs. So uh, for that reason, it makes sense. Obviously it would have been nice to see David Price go the full three innings um, you with the, the up and downs. It, it seems like the last couple of years, I noticed in 2017, Dave Roberts, made a concerted effort with Kenley Jansen specifically to get him a lot of up and downs. He would bring him in uh, several times, eight or 10 times during the regular season. He brought in Kenley with two outs in the eighth inning just to do a four out save, just to get him used to the up and downs so that he could use him that way in the postseason. Uh, then, you know, Kenley ended up kind of struggling that postseason, which was was kind of interesting, but I don't know that it was because of that. Uh, but it seems like ever since then, Roberts has kind of had this little, you know, fetish probably isn't the right word, but this little affinity for pulling pitchers with two outs. And and I think all, well, until Trinan and, and Kenley, all the other pitching changes tonight happened in the middle of an inning, you know, it's just like you, you move everything up by one hitter. So bring in Vesia with two outs later, you bring in, in Joe Kelly in the middle of an inning, bring in Victor Gonzalez in the middle of an inning. And uh, you know, it, it's just kind of interesting and it ended up not mattering. I mean, as we're talking right now, it's 11.08 PM where I am 10.08 in California, which means we're still not 
three hours from the time the game started. And we've been talking on locker room for 27 minutes now. And so the, the game still moved along quickly. Uh, that's kind of what happens when you have five home runs, but hardly any other hits and Alex Wood moving quickly and stuff. So really the, the mid inning pitching changes were the only things that did drag the game down time-wise. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll take a two and a half hour game or whatever it was, but yeah, it's just kind of funny to me. I don't know if any of you guys had any thoughts. And, and in the end, you know, I mentioned on, on today's episode of the podcast that when Dave Roberts or any manager does something that I don't understand, I try to make a conscious effort to figure out, you know, try to figure okay, what's he thinking instead of jump, just jumping straight to Dave Roberts is an idiot. I think, okay, what does he know that I don't know? Or what's he thinking? You know, what does he view differently than I do, whatever it is. And so uh, that was kind of my mindset today because I was the same way. I'm like, wait, just let David Price finish it. Give Vasia a clean inning, you know. Um, but then when, when Oral said, you know, having him have a clean inning where he only get, has to get one out is really important for a guy like Vasia, that made sense to me. And so I don't know if that is. I have, I don't know if anybody asked Dave Roberts about it. Uh they they generally don't. The reporters don't ask him about that stuff very often. So, and I don't know that Dave Roberts would actually give a very honest answer. I think he'd go with cliches more anyway. Uh, if we know anything about Dave Roberts and talking to the media, uh, but that made sense to me the way Oral Oral explained it, and it reminded me again how awesome it is to have a guy like Oral there who, you know, Oral he is a really smart guy when it comes to baseball. Oral Hershiser knows his stuff and loves baseball, which is awesome. Sam says that Dave Roberts said he wants price available for Sunday, which is why he removed him. And that makes sense too. If they had a, a strict pitch count, you know, he had said that uh, before the game that price would just go one time through the order. And instead he went eight batters instead of nine. Uh, but yeah, I think he was around 42 ish pitches, uh, something like that. And so, so that makes sense if they, had a somewhat strict pitch. You still think he probably could have got Alex Wood out on, you know, somewhere between one and four pitches. And so I don't, you know, I don't know that I totally buy that just because the the alternative, uh, I I don't know that throwing those four extra pitches to Alex Wood would have made price unavailable for Sunday in order for Dave Roberts to give the, if, if Oral was right, the only way for Dave to give the correct answer would be to kind of throw Vasia under the bus and say, well, you know, I didn't trust Alex Vasia to get three outs that inning. Uh, so, you know, and so maybe that was just one of Dave Roberts' cliche answers that we get sometimes from him. Jump in. Armando Camarena coming back on. Hey, um, I just want to say real quick uh, about Mookie. I thought he looked a little bit better tonight. I know he's been playing. I know he's, um, I think he's hurt, but not injured. I mean, I wonder if, I think when McKinstry and Bellinger come back, he's probably going to go on, on the IL just to give him a break. I don't know. What do you think the likelihood of that is? You know, I hadn't thought about that um, even a minute ago when I was saying maybe somebody goes on the IL when those guys come back. Mookie has said that, you know, it's not affecting, that it's not the reason that he's struggling a little bit more or whatever. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I think if Mookie needed to be on the IL, he would be on the IL right now even with other guys injured. Um, and so I, I guess my next thought process is, well, is it a case where he doesn't need to be on the IL, but he would benefit from 10 days off. And that might be the case, you know, especially after missing a couple of games in a row with the shoulder thing. Um, it's always so hard to tell for me. It's like he, obviously he's swinging and missing more often this year than he has in the past but he's also hitting a lot more pop-ups and lazy flyouts than, than I remember from him in the past. 
Uh, he's just, you know, there's a lot of at bats where he's just not driving the ball. And obviously he did drive the ball one time tonight, hit a triple that was almost a home run. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's hard to tell what's going on. Uh, so I guess it wouldn't shock me if they put him on the injured list, but I, I'm not expecting it, I don't think. Uh, so it would surprise me, but not shock me. What's the official word? Uh, what has everybody heard about uh, Bellinger and McKinstry? Are they supposed to be active on Saturday or what? Are we- uh, they said that Bellinger, they're expecting him back on Saturday or hoping for him back on Saturday or one of those words. Uh, and McKinstry, I think they said Saturday or Sunday. So we could see them both on Saturday. Uh, you know, it, it's, but hopefully this weekend they'll both be back. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, I'm glad that, Noisy and Peters each got a home run under the belt, their belts the last couple of days so that they can uh, build off that in AAA or whatever it is. So, uh, but yeah, that's the plan with them. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for joining the locker room. Make sure to download locker room and join us next week when we host a live chat. If you want to follow us on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. If you're not already listening every day, please try to bump it up. We are here every weekday, Monday through Friday. So why not listen every weekday, Monday through Friday? Tell your friends and family. Word of mouth is still the best way to go about it. But if you also want to post us, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text, you can do so at 323-863-LOCK. That's 5625. Or you can send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, is Nikola Jokic enough for the Nuggets? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant?